As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. If you don't have much money to start, what I would suggest is go and take control of your finances and start saving. The best book on that is going to be uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Great book that'll teach you how to start. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Shiloh Lundahl. How you doing, Shiloh? I'm doing pretty good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And so am I. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Shiloh is a child and family therapist, and he's also a real estate investor. He started investing in 2010 with one single family rental, now focuses on lease options, and owns over 50 units based in Gilbert, Arizona. With that being said, Shiloh, will you give the best ever listeners just a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. As you said, back in 2000. 10 is when we got our first rental property. And then we moved to Arizona about 2008 after I got my master's degree in social work and moved down here. And I've been working as a therapist ever since. And then we moved during the downturn in the market. And so we were able to get our own home for a pretty decent price. And then a couple of years later, the homes around us, there were so many foreclosures. And I had a friend of mine who was a real estate agent at the time. And I was listening a lot to the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. And so I told my buddy that I wanted to buy a rental. And so we were looking around our neighborhood and we purchased this property out in it was a place called Santan Valley in Arizona. And that's kind of how we got started back in 2010. But then I didn't do anything else until 2014 when it came to real estate. And then the practice that I have is based out of Mesa, Arizona. And the building in which I have my practice, it came up on the market. The owner had passed away and his widow was selling the building. And so I approached her or her realtor and asked if I could buy the building. And so I ended up 
purchasing the building that I have my practice out of. And now I rent it out to 11 other therapists and myself. Wow. Did you buy that outright just traditionally? Yeah, I did buy it with a traditional purchase, but because I also have my practice here, I got an owner-occupied loan. And then I had a family member, they helped me with the down payment for the building. And so that's kind of how I got the down mm. payment for the building. And then I was able to, to actually purchase it with that. So you said there are, how many offices? Did you say 11 other offices in that building? Yeah, we have 12 offices and a group room. So I have one of the offices and then there's 11 other therapists that I rent out to. Okay. What year was this when you bought it? It was back in 2014. 2014. How many other offices at the time in 2014 were occupied? When I bought the building, it was split into two different suites. On the suite where the therapists were at, there were six offices. So when I bought the building, I built out the other side. There was already five offices and then just an open space. And so I kind of closed off that open space and made a large group room. And then I converted the kitchen into another office. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning there were six and then I was able to make 12 out of it. That's incredible value add play and vision because it's clearly worked out for you. When it was originally in 2014, when it was on the market, when you mentioned there were six offices, were the other five occupied with tenants? Yes. The six therapists on the one side. Uh And I knew that when I purchased the building, what I wanted to do is I wanted to build out the other side and fill it with other therapists. So before I actually closed on the building, I had talked with a lot of other therapists that wanted to come over and be part of our group. And then I was able to fill all the office spaces even before I closed. So I closed like the beginning of November I had the contractor come in over a two-week period of time in the evenings, and they rehabbed that other side. And then by the 15th of November, I had all 12 offices filled. Wow. That's incredible. And you're just going through the playbook of what to do on a commercial transaction, value-add play. And I'd like to recap some of this either in a little bit or at the very end of our conversation, and I will. But... I asked if there are other residents in those offices because, and you said there were, and I asked that because they also had the opportunity to do what you're doing, but they did not. And not pointing fingers at anyone, I'm just making an observation that you chose to act on it and actually purchase it and not only purchase it, but you then did the value add play where you talked to other therapists, recruited them over, got them filled up, and then were doing some construction. So you not only had the foresight to see the vision, but then you start executing on it in advance. What gave you the confidence to do that? It's interesting. At the time, I knew that I wanted to be here in this building. And when the other side was empty, I thought, man, I really don't want a dentist's office going into the other side and then setting up a room on the other side of my wall where they're drilling teeth while I'm doing a <laughs> the therapy session. I don't want them to be 
definitely interrupting the environment. So I felt kind of a need to have one of us buy the building. So I talked to some of the other therapists. They just weren't in a position that they were able to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was able to do it. And so I had structured my finances and, and things in a certain way to where I was able to get a loan and purchase the building. So the other people, they had the opportunity, but my personality is that of if I want something, I go and I figure out a way to make it happen. And that's kind of what happened with the building. It sounds like you saw danger in what could take place. So you didn't want to put your business in a vulnerable position where you got people getting their teeth drilled on right next door. So that pushed you to action. Have you seen that take place in your other endeavors as you've progressed in real estate where you saw that you might be in a tight spot if you didn't take action, so then you did? Well, I don't know so much that exactly, but as soon as I got the building, um, it really kind of ignited this real estate bug inside of me. So I ran across my Rich Dad Poor Dad audios again at the time, and so I listened to those and I thought, man, why did I ever stop investing in real estate before? Then I contacted my buddy who helped me get that original property. And I said, hey, I want to do another deal with you. So in 2015, he and I started doing deals together and we ended up doing three in 2015. And so it was just something that, again, I saw that opportunity and I just started to take action. And connecting with my buddy was great because he had a lot more experience than me. So we did that in 2015. And then in 2016, I ended up doing a year-long education program one of those expensive programs, but it really kind of helped me. And I think that my personality really worked well with doing a program like that because it gave me more confidence. And then in 2016, my buddy and I, we ended up doing seven deals where we did you know six flips and one buy and hold. And in 2017, we switched our model over to a lease option model. And then in 2017, we got 23 deals and then we kept 17 of them to do lease options. And then so far this year, we've done another eight that we're doing lease options on. So we definitely switched our model from doing, I got the commercial building and then I went into doing flips. We saw the margin getting smaller on the flips. So then we switched over to doing the lease option model. We've been doing that ever since. And that model has been fantastic for us. How much per deal were you making on flips compared to a lease option? In 2016, with the six flips that we did, we netted about 95000 each. So what is that? Maybe about 15 or so per flip. Mm -hmm. Now, the lease option, it's a longer play. It's a, a three to five year play. But my buddy and I each make probably, I would say on average, between thirty dollars and $40,000 on each lease option deal. And it's also more tax beneficial to do it this way than doing it the flip way. Because it spreads it out? Well, it spreads it out. We don't have to play short-term capital gains. Right. We're able to take depreciation. And then at the end, we're able to take that. When they exercise the option, we can take that. And we can do a 1031 exchange into another property and mm -hmm. delay our taxes, possibly inevitably. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you structure it with the person who's leasing it from you? So our model is we go and we find a property that we can have our all in be less than $140,000. That means the purchase and the rehab. And we want that 140 to be 75% or less of the market value. So what that does is it gives us an opportunity to have that 25% equity 
we can go to a bank and we can refinance the property. And in a lot of these situations, we've been able to take out the majority, if not all of our own money into the property. So that's how we get the property. We find it and then sometimes we advertise it on the MLS or Craigslist. We advertise that we have a lease option property. And a lot of people don't know what a lease option property is. So what we've done is we've created this little video that I have up on my website and we'll send people there so they can actually watch the video. It's this like four minute little cartoon video on what a lease option is. So people will be interested. Sometimes they'll call us just because they want to rent and we're like, well, we're actually looking for end buyers. And then we explain it and then they'll go watch the video. And if they're interested, they'll give us a call back and then they'll come in with a $3,900 fee to purchase the option in order to get into the property. And then they're able to get into the property and then we connect them with a mortgage broker a year or so into it where they can go and they can start rebuilding their credit so that they can purchase the property within that time period, whether it's five years or four years or three years. And then they're just paying rent during that time. We don't do any credit backs or anything like that, but they're paying that rent during that time. They're paying down our mortgage. And then we actually sell the property for about five to 7% higher than the current market value, because we know that prices tend to go up due to appreciation. And so by the time they go to buy it, they can actually buy the property for a little bit less than what current market value is. So they're happy about that. We're happy because we got a good tenant in there the entire time. They paid down the mortgage. So it really works out for everybody really well. Thank you for walking through that. You just did the play-by-play for how to structure a lease option. That $3,900 fee that they originally pay, is that applied towards their principal? It is not, and it's not for a couple of reasons, because one is they're paying for an option to purchase the property. Just like if you were to go to the stock market and you buy an option, you don't actually buy the stocks. You buy an option to buy the stocks. And if the stock goes up, then, hey, that's great. I can still buy the stock for this price. Or if you put option at the stock goes down, you can still buy it for that price that you've determined. So it's the same with this house. They buy the option to buy the house for that specific amount. Now, some people might say, hey, well, can we have this worked into the price of the property? And what we say is we've already adjusted it for that. So the price of the property is actually $3,900 more than what you're buying it for. And so we're just taking that off and we're agreeing to this price. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do. How long is the option? Last year, we did five-year options. This year, we're doing four-year options. And next year, we'll do three-year options so that in the year 2022, we'll have a lot of these options coming due the same year. And then we can go and we can kind of group them together and do some 1031 exchanges into larger properties with them being grouped together. What would be a red flag for a prospective buyer to get into a lease option where you don't think that they would qualify in, say, three years to actually Somebody exercise. who says, uh, I can't really, somebody comes in and they say, I can't really come up with that $3,900 right up front. Can I you know, divide it out into a couple of different months? That to me says that this person is having a hard time being able to take care of their finances where they don't have some sort of emergency fund or savings. So they may not be the best fit for one of our properties. So that's a red flag. And then we also do a credit check. We look to see, okay, 
if they can just go and buy their own property right now, why is it that they want to do a lease option? Is it that their credit's bad or maybe they just started a business? So they're not able to get a regular loan right now. And so we look at their credit to kind of see where that is. And then we ask, well, are they able to take care of some of these things in the next few years so that they can purchase the property? And then are there any felonies or anything like that that may prohibit them from getting a loan? So we're looking at all of those things to see if they were to be connected with one of our loan brokers or whoever, would they be able to work with them in order to get them ready to buy the property? How many do you have right now that are with lease options? We have currently 20 lease options going on right now. Wow. What's that like from a paperwork standpoint? I have two assistants that work for me, and they just work hourly. But when I did that year-long training program, one of the things that my coach said over and over again is, Shiloh, if you're going to get bigger in this, you need to get an assistant. You need to get an assistant. Every single week when I talked to him, he said, do you have an assistant? Do you have an assistant? (laughs) And it's absolutely true. As a therapist, I get paid pretty well per session. I don't do insurance. I just charge a fee for service. And taking my time out from meeting with families, which is one thing that I'm really good at, to go and do some smaller tasks of meeting with a prospective tenant and things like that. It's not very wise, money-wise or time-wise. So having these assistants that are able to go and meet with the clients and they do better with the paperwork and they keep track of all of the rent when it comes in, they put it in a spreadsheet and everything like that. And so really they're doing a good majority of that. So basically over the last two or three years, I kind of built a system where I have my realtor, who's my partner in most of these deals. And then I have my two assistants and he has an assistant. And then we have a contractor that we've used many times. So I'm able to do most of my real estate over the phone. The assistants in total, what do you think is the monthly expense for their time? Good question. I would say maybe $1,000, maybe 1500 depending on how much time they're actually spending. Mm -hmm. But I built that into some of the rents. And then also that's not just for my real estate businesses. They do the paperwork for my counseling business and for the building and several other things that I have going on. And actually they help me with a lot of other things. So I work in Arizona, but I live half the week in California with my family. And then I just travel back and forth. So I'm only in Arizona about half the week. So If I need my car taken in to go to the shop, then I just call my assistant. She goes, she takes it in, she gets it taken care of, and then she brings it back to me. So when I'm in Arizona, I'm working all the time. And I have my assistants doing all of the different things that I need done. So part of it's real estate, part of it's personal, part of it is my counseling practice. Mm -hmm. Looking at the average profits per deal, $30,000 per deal. and Now that's $30,000 for me and 30,000 for mine. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. So 30K for you per deal. And that 15K per flip was also for you. So about 30K per deal spread out over five years, you know, that's $6,000 a year on average. How much of that is front loaded and how much of it is back loaded? I would say most of it is going to come in on the back end. We get cash flow from each of our properties, but the cash flow that we get is not a whole lot. So it might be a hundred for me and a hundred for my partner. And actually we do bring people in on deals like this. So what'll happen is let's say we have a property that we want to do. 
we go and we get a, a hard money lender that will come in and they'll pay for the majority of the purchase price. And then an investor that kind of wants to learn our system, we'll have them come in and they pay for the rehab. And then we're showing them how we found the property, how we determined it was going to be a good property. And then we show them our whole system from start to finish. And then at the end, when we go and we get a long-term loan, we are then paying back the hard money lender and the private money lender. And the private money lender is happy because they get 10% return on their money or 10% APR, I should say, return on their money. And then they get the whole experience of learning about it. So that's one way that we partner with people. But then on the back end, let's say we have a property that still has maybe 10 or 15,000 of our own money into it. And it's only leveraged about 70%. We might bring somebody in on the back end and do a second position note on that property for maybe 10 or 15,000. We're able to suck out our money and leverage the property up to maybe about 80%. And then that other person, it just gets passive income. And then they also get to learn the system that we're using if they'd like. So the cash flow might be 100 for me, 100 for my partner, and then maybe 100 for this second position investor. And so the cash flow isn't really big per property, but at the end, when they go to exercise mm-hmm. the option, they're yep. paying for the closing costs. They've been paying down the mortgage on the property, and that's when we get that big $60,000 profit that then is split between my partner and I. Got it down to a system. That's for darn sure. It's impressive how you think about it. How much did you invest in your education during that year program? We invested, this was my wife and I, actually it's a funny story. So I go to a a three-day Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar and I come home and I said to my wife, hey sweetie, I want to do this program. It costs about 40,000. And she's like, no. So I said, okay. (laughs) Next. (laughs) So I said, okay. What do you want to have for dinner? (laughs) Yeah. And then we do a flip and we lose about 5,000 on it. And then she goes to a three-day training. And then she comes back and she says, hey, honey, I signed us up for this $40,000 program. So it wasn't the Rich Dad Poor Dad one, but it was another program that she signed us up for. Wow. <laughs> Which one was it? It was called Advanced Real Estate Education. That was the one that we did. It's very vague sounding. <laughs> it, it was. Well, it was interesting because it was actually several different funnels to one program. So I think the one funnel that we went through was called Success Path, but it was the advanced real estate education was like a bigger one. And now it just really kind of worked well with my personality. My personality isn't so much read something in a book and then go and do it. My personality is go and talk with people and mingle with people and hear what they're doing and spend time with them. And then I can go do it. Mm -hmm. So that's just me. So it was a 40,000, but then we paid 25,000 for coach. And then we also paid $5,000 package in order to get more funding and things like that. And it really did help with the funding. We had about 200,000 available to us when we started. And then at the end, we had about $800,000 available as I was working with banks and all of these different avenues. And so all of that was really, really helpful for me. It worked well with my personality. There's a lot of other people that paid the money that are not nearly as successful as we are with it, but that's because of their personality. So I think that paying for education can be helpful if you work it. I think a lot of people will pay and then they just expect the program to give them things. And it was just something that opened my mind to, at the beginning, I thought I'm going to do four deals a year. Going through the education program, I realized I can really do 20 deals or more a year. So the next year we did do 23 deals. And now my partner and I are thinking about doing maybe about 15 deals a year, just adding to our portfolio. 
the individuals who paid for the forty thousand dollar program, but they did not get the ROI because, in your words, they didn't. Well, I don't know exactly what you said, but you said it worked well for your personality. What about their personality didn't make the return on investment a good one? Well, I guess looking at it in terms of if you buy a gym membership, and there are gym memberships that are ten dollars, there are gym memberships that are forty, there are gym memberships that are a hundred plus a month. So it isn't so much the how do I put it? You can go, you can pay a hundred dollars for a gym membership, and that might even include a personal trainer here and there. But if you don't go to the gym, and if you don't work with that personal trainer, and if you don't have goals, this is what I'm going to do, and then go there day after day and work towards meeting those goals, then it doesn't matter how much your gym membership is, you're not going to get the results you want. So for me, doing that program gave me an opportunity to start, and then I just kept going. And as much information they would give me, I would listen to, I would read up on, or they would say, oh, go and try this. Go and call Craigslist ads and, and see if anybody wants to sell the property. So I went and I did that. And it says, go and connect with other uh, realtors in your area. And so I went and I did that. Um, and go to the RIA meetings in your area. And so I went and I did that. So I did all of these things that they encouraged me to do. Others so weren't? It was, yeah. And I think that's the thing is other people may have hangups of calling people out of the blue and going through the scripts of how to talk to somebody and how to talk about, hey, do you rent or are you buying or all of these questions. A lot of people have that hesitation towards talking to people. I think my personality plus my profession gave me a little bit more of an advantage of feeling more comfortable talking to people because I meet people every day that I've never met before. And in a short period of time, they're talking to me about everything that's going on in their life. So I think that may have given me more of an advantage over others. Uh, certainly did. And holy cow, someone invests $40,000 in a program. They don't want to make these phone calls that the program says. I just want to shake them. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Call. Pick up the phone. Here, I'll dial for you. I'll dial the first one for you. Call someone. This is what they – it's the process that's proven. Well, that's just human nature. That's just how people are. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Ah, oh, good question. I guess my best advice would be to just do it. So go learn what you can and then partner with somebody who knows what they're doing. That's the biggest thing. There are a lot of people that really know how to do it. Go up to them, take them out to lunch and say, hey, you know what? I'd really like to know what you're doing. I'd like to start. I'd like to maybe do a deal with you. And then when you say that, it's likely that they're going to say, well, I already have systems in place. And then you say to them, here, can I fund your next deal? So that's the biggest thing. My partner and I, we do a lot of real estate, not using a lot of our own money now. But at the beginning, we had to use a lot of our own money to get started. So if you don't have much money to start, what I would suggest is go and take control of your finances and start saving. The best book on that is going to be uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. Great book that'll teach you how to start. Start saving. Pay yourself 10% first. And then you start building that nest egg. You have a little nest egg and then you go and you say, hey, I want to help out. What can I do? I have this money. How can I get started? We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart. Get the word out about their cause 
and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com. Best ever deal you've done. The best ever deal I've done was actually a recent one. It's kind of a funky deal. So we saw this one just on the MLS. It was a manufactured home out in a place called Apache Junction, which historically has been looked at as a place that you wouldn't want to live in the Phoenix Valley. It's way on the outskirts. It's kind of been the area that people thought wasn't very good. We found this manufactured home on this acre and a quarter that was being sold with the lot next to it. And it was kind of a, a probate kind of deal. So we really wanted it. So we called up the realtor who was selling it. And he said, well, I already have some offers on it. They were selling it for 160 And we said, well, we really want this property and we'd like you to represent us. Even though my partner is a realtor, we said, well, we'd like you to be the realtor on the deal and just kind of let us know what we should come in at. He said, well, I think that if you were to put in an offer for 170 you'd be a pretty good candidate. So we put in the offer for 170 They accepted our offer. And then on the lot next to it had two dilapidated houses. So we go over and during the inspection period, we had a plumber come over and take a look at the plumbing. And the plumbing was bad in one of the dilapidated houses. And so we go back to the seller and we renegotiate it down to 160 Then as soon as we closed on the property, we already had people that wanted to do lease options with us. And I had other people that wanted to invest with us. And so we partnered with an investor as a private money lender. They came in, put 10000 into fixing up the, the manufactured home. We brought somebody else in to buy the home at one ninety five. We put the other lot on the MLS and we sold that for 105 We took the 105 We paid down the hard money down to like 64 Plus we had the investor come in with the 74 So... That whole deal, we were able to get the person to buy the property for 195 and our all-in is about 74 And so we just did that. And it was on a manufactured home out in an area that people thought were was not very good. So that was one of our sweetest deals over last year. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? We've made lots and lots of mistakes. One of the recent mistakes that we've made is we bought a property and then when the contractor came in to redo some of the plumbing in the house, he's like, uh, we can't find where to turn on the plumbing from outside. Turns out there was no plumbing built to the house. So that was a problem. We bought it without... <laughs> Details. Yeah, without making sure that there was plumbing to the house. So now we had to go to the neighbor and do a, a well agreement with the neighbor in order to get water to the house. And that was an extra 13000 plus about two months in work. But on that deal, my partner and I were each supposed to make about 50 on the deal. And so we're each going to make maybe 40 instead. So it's still going to be a good deal. But that was one of our mistakes. Best ever way you like to give back? I grew up being raised by a single mom. 
and my grandfather was a doctor. So one of the things that he said that he did was he would provide some of his services at a discounted rate to some families that had a hard time paying for it. And so one of the things that I do to give back is I give single moms a discounted rate on therapy because I remember growing up and how there were some difficulties there financially for us. And so that's one of the ways that I give back is by doing the uh, discounted rate for single moms. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? They could come to my website, which is blue, like the color blue, equities.com. They can get to know me a little bit there. Um, also, I do blog posts on Baker Pocket, so they can find me out there. They can learn more about things listed there. And I have my phone number there. They can give me a call. They can chat with me that way. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You really did a crash course on lease options. It was really kind of two separate conversations, and I love it because learned two separate things. One is the commercial property that you bought and what you did to add value to it. By the way, what did you buy it for and what's it worth now? I bought it for five fifteen. I put about thirty five into it. Recently, we got an appraisal, but the appraisal that we got came in way lower than I think that it should have. It came in at six fifteen, but the rents that I get monthly are about eighty five hundred a month. So, if you were to just look at it in terms of a cap rate, give a cap rate of maybe seven or eight percent, it'd be worth about seven hundred thousand or seven fifty. So. My guess is it's more worth that today. And you're not paying rent to someone else. So other people are paying your mortgage, actually. Uh, the, other... the cash flows pretty well. And so it's definitely my best cash flowing property. And it's great because I can choose who I want to come into our group. And there was some turnover at the beginning. And it was kind of tough for some of the people that were here at the beginning. But since then, it's been great. I have awesome people that I work with. And it's just been a, a great, great purchase. Well, that and then lease option crash course. So thanks so much for being on the show. Really grateful that you talked to us about both those aspects of your business and what you're working on. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joe. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.